more and more comes up and it just, you know, it makes folks like CISOs more nervous. And then, you know, in conferences, people are thinking about this and, you know, eventually just becomes kind of unthinkable to not solve this problem. Welcome to Uptech Report. This is our applied tech series. Uptech Report is sponsored by TerraLeap. Learn how to leverage the power of video at terraleap.io. Today, I am joined by my guest, Ian Co, who's based in San Francisco, California. He's the co-founder and CEO of Tonic. Welcome, Ian. Good to have you on, man. Hey, great to meet you. Thank you. Now, Tonic, if I understand correctly, your whole focus is mimicking production data to create safe, usable, useful de-identified data for QA testing development. Uh, and the idea that you could automatically create mock data, but preserve the same key characteristics of that uh, secure data set. So developers, data scientists, salespeople, you can all use that without breaching privacy. And privacy is a big issue these days. I actually love on your website, you say the fake data company. To help me understand, <laughs> Ian, like where did this begin for you guys? What was the problem that you saw and you set out to solve? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that, that's kind of a funny slogan that uh, we've been we've been toying with. Um, you know, the more formal kind of thing that we talk about is synthetic data, obviously. Uh, and you know, really, this problem actually came about uh, through some of the challenges that we saw in previous jobs, um, which is common for a lot of startups, especially in the B two B space. Uh, and you know, for example, for me, you know, I was working uh, at Palantir um, on this project, and you know, I was at this big bank and trying to get a bunch of things done. And we got a few errors, so I emailed those to some developers and said, "Hey, how do I fix this?" And you know, their first response was, "Can you send me the data?" And the answer was, "Of course not." So you know, what we ended up doing is making fake versions of that data using you know, just Python, other manual tools. Um, and so fast forward a few years, uh, you know, me and my co-founders were thinking about all the different things that we could kind of take on. Uh, and this kind of jumped to the forefront for us as something that would be really uh, helpful for the world, you know, good for the world and actually, you know, really important and valuable for businesses. Data is essential, obviously, as you're developing, especially create and test, creating and testing um, new products, but having creating it easily or, or not using existing data um, for privacy reasons is a concern. Help me understand like the, the shift in, in uh, mindset that someone has to go in saying, will this actually work? Like what's some of the things that you've seen some pushback from people before they test and use your product that, you, that are like, uh, is this actually, how easy is it? Does, does the data actually really mimic it? Does it synthesize it well? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's definitely a concern. So there's kind of three things that you can do. Uh, if you want to solve this problem, right? Or, or not be affected by this problem. You can essentially give all your developers access to production. Um, and that has significant security implications, uh, you know, that runs counter to a lot of the principles set out by, you know, regulations like GDPR, CCPA, certainly is a violation of things like SOC 2. Um, so, uh, you know, that's one approach you can take. And, you know, it's something that most companies or a lot of companies do because it's just, you know, it's, it's challenging to solve this problem. The other thing you can kind of do is you can lock everything down and, you know, make it really, really hard to get access to data, but that really slows down your development team. Um, the other thing you can do is attempt an internal solution. Uh, and we see a lot of customers do this as well. Um, and the challenge there is, as you said, getting the data quality, right. Actually being confident that what you've done protects the data. Um, and then also just handling all the idiosyncrasies and all the sort of like blocking and tackling that, you know, we spend a lot of time at Tonic trying to solve. So when data updates, uh, you know, if you have a schema change, do you propagate that right away? And, you know, 
do you have really large data systems? Do you replicate everything? Do you just grab a subset of it? You know, how do you create multiple instances for different scenarios for, uh, you know, for developers versus testers? Um, so all of that, you know, sort of uh, painful data infrastructure, we've, you know, we've sort of pushed out of, you know, sort of the forefront for uh, folks solving this problem. Um, this this concept of of creating data that's not real it's not necessarily new you haven't this is, you're not the first one to solve it help me understand like how are you guys different from other options out there like maybe creating just synthetic data and and how yeah. do you approach it differently yeah I think one of the big differentiators between us and a lot of I, I think there's actually kind of two styles of folks that we see out in the market there's kind of uh, some older larger companies that have test data management solutions um, and I think the big difference between us and them is you know we're a much more modern platform. We integrate directly into your existing infrastructure. Time to value is much, much lower. You know, we, our customers are getting, you know, uh, sort of solving their problem within 30 days. Um, whereas I think a lot of those solutions are more like six months plus and a big, you know, deep engagement with a lot of pro serve. Um, then the other style, I think of folks that we see out in the market are folks really focused on kind of, uh, the purest, academic problem of synthetic data, which is, you know, how can I take a table and then replicate that table and then have it, you know, be valid according to all these statistical tests. Uh, and, you know, that's something we can do, but we've really focused on the enterprise data problem of databases and making sure that uh, not only can you, you know, do that kind of uh, table comparison, but actually transform the entire uh, graph of a database and have that be valid too. So you can actually run your app on top of databases since that's what most apps run on. Help me just understand um, the, the difference between synthesized um, mimic data versus mock data. Like, what's yeah. the difference there? So, you know, these are actually debates we've had internally. You know, what is mass data? What is what is synthesized data? And it, it gets kind of, you know, um, it gets nuanced and kind of weird. So imagine you had a table of names and you replaced all those names with a dictionary of fake names. Is that synthesized? Data? It kind of is, right? Like it's net new data that's completely detached from the underlying, but has most of the properties. Um, and we even do things in our product, like make sure that there's a one-to-one -one mapping if you want it. We call it consistency and we can preserve that across data sources, which is sort of what I was getting at those enterprise problems. But, you know, or you could call that mass data, right? Like you just took some values and then replaced them with other values. Um, it's sort of like an advanced mask. Um, but typically when people talk about mass data, they're really thinking of really trivial operations, like taking some data and like replacing it with a bunch of X's or nulling it all out. And that's when you start really destroying, completely destroying the utility of the data and making it hard to, you know, be an effective developer. What What is like the absolute useful part of the data that has to be maintained? Um, and when, when someone's using it and, and you need to make sure that the product is delivering for you guys? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the bar for most of our customers is they can open their application, it works, uh, their tests pass. Um, so that's that's kind of the bar for, you know, developers. Um, there's a lot of things that go into that. The main thing I would say is the graph of the database, the, the structure and relationships in the database have to be preserved. And that's what we spend a lot of time making sure that we do. And anyone's data you can use, I mean, and and be able to, to uh, mimic and create new content is is it just, yeah, just bring it, we can make it happen? Or are there any variables or, or things that it only, like it requires you to have to do something different each time? Uh, so we focused on relational data to start with. 
Um, and that's something that, you know, uh, if, you, if you look at our website, you can see the list of sources that we support. Um, it's pretty extensive. I think we cover most of the common relational databases. I mean, there's always things out there, but yeah, any relational data, no problem. Um, we are about to release our uh, document store product. So that's going to be something that uh, I think, you know, further opens up the types of data we can process. We already process things like JSON and XML, but we're going to, you know, go a level further and make that, you know, really first class for folks. If you had to give a, a word of advice to a developer who's working with data right now, or, or, or even um, uh, research uh, analysts who are having to work with data in today's environment, especially where, where we're headed with, with privacy, the need to use data smartly, uh, what would you give? What would you share as far as a word of wisdom? I'd say, you know, focus on what your job is and, you know, let us take care of the painful stuff for you. Um, I think that's, that, that's sort of the big thing is, you know, obviously anything's possible with code, right? You know, there's a lot of great developers out there. They can solve problems. Um, but, you know, would you rather work on some data infrastructure stuff that, you know, you know, took, you know, I think we have a pretty good engineering team took us a couple of years to figure out, or would you rather just, you know, do your job, uh, you know, move your top line for your company. So I'd say, you know, just, uh, yeah, uh, it, it can be a kind of a fun challenge, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, pick your battle, don't, don't, <laughs> like pick your pick battle. Your, exactly. Your exactly. Where, where That's, yeah. Very well said. Yeah. Now it, speaking of just a, a moment, going back to the, the regulatory around privacy, I'm curious, what, what's your perspective on, on where we're headed and, Will it get more difficult uh, around using actual data and the need to create mimicked or synthesized data? We've seen a real shift uh, in the perception of this problem uh, since we went out to market. Um, and I think a lot of that is regulatory. Some of that is also just, you know, I think uh, the market uh, recognizing this is a really important challenge. But yeah, if you look at the number of people that just accept that, uh, you know, you have to do something about that. It's way higher than when we first started talking to people about this problem. Um, and, you know, if you look at what's in the, a lot of these regulations, it, it, it's a little ambiguous. Like GDPR, you're subject to fines if you breach, uh, unless your data is substantially resistant to reverse engineering, but they don't actually tell you how to do that. Um, so we fall back on something called differential privacy, which is, you know, that's a whole nother discussion. But um, really, you know, what it comes down to is as I think these things get out into the market, you know, and then there's shrimps too, and, you know, all these other things, more and more comes up and it just, you know, makes folks like CISOs more nervous. And then, you know, in conferences, people are thinking about this and, you know, eventually just becomes kind of unthinkable to not solve this problem. It, you're saying basically just getting harder to, or, or, more difficult to uh, do it without having a solution in place to mimic it and, and, and create synthesized data because you just, because of the external uh, crackdown. It's that. And I think the other thing that, um, you know, is, you know, as we continue to uh, advance the brand of tonic and, you know, explain what we do, I think we make folk, we help folks understand that it's possible you know, we, we've taken something that might have been, you know, a, you know, a multi-month or multi-year engineering effort, and we've condensed it down to 30 days. So, uh, you know, if this is a lot of CISOs we talk to say, yeah, I've been worried about this for 10 years. I'm glad someone's finally solving this. So it's it's kind of one of those things that uh, the, 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 the timing for people's concern about it is really high. And then in addition, uh, it's also been something that a lot of folks have been really concerned about, but there just hasn't been a great answer to. 
So it's it's the the tipping point, getting to the point where the, the need is only increasing, and the ease of use of to be able to create it is is uh, increasing as well. And we're exactly. meeting together. Yep, exactly. What are you most excited about in the space? Maybe it's an upcoming feature or where you guys are headed um, that will only make this better or easier uh, for developers and CISOs and uh, research analysts. I mean, I think the thing that you know we're going to continue to push on is just really driving down the time it takes to get that initial data set that works for your team. Um, and to do that, you know, we're going to be pushing out more automation, um, doing more things that we current, you know, you can do in the product today with some manual work, making that uh, you know happen automatically for you. Uh, additionally, you know, like I said, supporting more sources, um, you know, becoming more resilient to you know idiosyncratic data, all of those things make it so eventually, you know, the dream is one day you point at your database, you click a button, you walk away, and half an hour later, you have exactly what you need and you ship it to your team. Um, so I think that that's kind of, you know, where, that's what our, our sort of North Easy Star is. Yeah. Yes, just absolutely. eventually getting uh, to where you, you said click a button and then boom, you got, you got your uh, mimic data or synthesized data that you can just start yeah. using. And, you know, who knows if we'll ever actually get all the way there. Uh, you know, that, that I think it's, a, you know, to some, but I think when I think about what I would like for our customers, that's what I'd like. Can you share just some use cases or examples of companies you're working with and how uh, this is it, it in play, how it works? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, we're working with a ton of customers. Uh, you know, we have a bunch, you can go to our website and see some of the logos. You know, we got folks like eBay, Flexport, um, a bunch of uh, uh, sort of SMB style customers as well. Um, and I think, you know, the main thing that we see consistently across all these customers is that they're supplying their dev teams with the data from Tonic. And, you know, for some of the larger customers, that might be petabytes of data, where they're taking petabytes of data, making it, uh, you know, using our subsetting technology to make it a digestible size and then protecting that data before they ship it off, off to developers. And so there's a huge lift from that, um, you know, in terms of just the efficiency they get, uh, you know, being able to depend on a, you know, a continuous pipeline of, uh, you know, useful data. Uh, for the uh, environment that, that we're in, um, for, for developers, the, the need for, for data um, isn't going to decrease of uh, being able to develop it and create content around it. But you said the ease of use is going to be the, the biggest thing. Um, what can you speak to as kind of the future of, of technology in like the next near term, next two, three years, or even a little bit beyond that? Uh, what kind of tech predictions can you make of, of where we'll see technology going and the use uh, cases for, for mimicking data, need for data in developing that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a few things that we've, I think, a few bets that we have. Um, and, um, so, and I think this is also, you know, potentially, you know, advice I would give to anyone uh, doing a startup in, you know, a, the data spaces. I guess one thing is don't be afraid of on-prem. It's a lot easier than it used to be. Um, I think, uh, you know, we, we can install in under an hour um, really reliably. Um, so, you know, and that, you know, that improved over time. The first install was not an hour, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we got it there. Uh, I think there's just a lot more tooling uh, to make that possible. Um, the other thing I would say is um, don't count out uh, relational databases. 
you know, a lot of folks go to, you know, more complex setups, but uh, if, if you look at sort of Postgres adoption and things like that, uh, and some of the things that they're starting to support, uh, you can do a lot with uh, some of those, uh, you know, traditional, you know, boring technologies, I guess you could say. It's like the boring, uh, boring technologies are the ones that uh, you don't you shouldn't necessarily turn away from that. It actually can help. Yeah, especially if it's something that's, uh, you know, really useful and seems like it's solving the problem. Um, I think for us, especially in, in our field, you know, being on prem is extremely important. You know, a lot of our customers do not want to, uh, you know, send their data out of their VPC. Um, this, you know, and so that that's something that I think has been, you know, hugely important for, uh, you know, uh, making our customers feel secure and protected. Um, and, you know, I think obviously the, 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 that's that style problem changes uh, as you advance your brand, as you become bigger. But uh, you know, certainly as a you know a, a smaller startup, it's it's pretty important to make sure your customers feel very confident in what you're doing. Can you share any more about just kind of your your um, story of your your history? Four co-founders, right? So you and three mm -hmm. three others. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. How'd you guys get together, and meet, and how did it begin? <laughs> uh, so one of the co-founders and I actually we met in middle school. Um, uh, that was Carl, Carl and I actually know each other from middle school. Um, Andrew, uh, was my first boss at Palantir. Um, and Adam and I worked together at the same team at Tableau. Um, so three of the founders come from Palantir, uh, two, two, uh, I spent time out of uh, Tableau. I realized that's more than, but I'm an overlap. I was at both. Uh, so it is four, it is four co-founders, but I was at both. Is it just because of the experience of those ta uh, Tableau and the other one that, that you just like, you guys saw this issue, as you are saying earlier, that the, the need for this was arising and then it just like, we, we got to get together and make this happen? Yeah. I mean, it, it was a problem at Tableau as well. Um, I can't tell, I mean, I was a product manager there and I can't tell you how many times we'd get a defect reported by a customer where they'd strip the data out of the workbook and say, this is a defect. And then we'd ask the customer for their data to help debug it and they'd say, no. Um, and then as a product manager, it's a, it's a really hard challenge. I mean, do you tell the customer, hey, we're not going to solve your problem? Or do you then dedicate some engineer and shift your whole roadmap, which also takes away value from customers, uh, so that this engineer can recreate a data set that can hopefully reproduce. And it's not even a guarantee. I mean, the engineer may spend a long time trying to reproduce it. And then after a week say, I, I can't do it. Uh, so I think it's, it's a big challenge. Um, and the, you know, if we can really make data portable across enterprises and, uh, you know, all of these things, I think that's going to, you know, greatly accelerate, you know, all a bunch of different aspects of uh, development, uh, you know, and, and collaboration between companies. What, what, where do you see your company in five years from now? So I think, you know, if we look at how folks are using Tonic today, uh, there's a lot of things that they're doing. Um, they're really managing their data in a, in a very first class and thoughtful way. So it's, I think Tonic in five years is the place where you go to make sure that your data is handled well. And not only that, it allows you to collaborate between teams and make sure your practices are, are first class. Uh, and we also save you a ton of time on infrastructure. So I think, you know, Tonic becomes the, uh, you know, it's it's a synthetic data uh, product today, but I think, you know, five years from now, it's a, it's a you know, secure data platform. I appreciate being able to share kind of the vision and the history of where you guys came from and the challenge of, of, of handling data well for data privacy reasons uh, and just making it ease 
easily ease for easy for developers and, and teams to be able to make it happen I, i'm excited for what you guys are, are bringing forth for those that want to learn more you can head over to tonic.ai and you can looks like you can book a demo is that, is that a good first step that folks can take yeah we, we, we'd love to talk to you um and we're, we're we keep it, the process really light <laughs> i love it all right well thank you again um ian good to have you on and we'll see you guys, you guys next time on the ep- next episode of uptech report That concludes the audio version of this episode. To see the original and more, visit our Uptech Report YouTube channel. If you know a tech company we should interview, you can nominate them at uptechreport.com. Or if you just prefer to listen, make sure you're subscribed to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. Mm